0: For those that that don 't know um we 're just trying to expose area of hardness in our lives for the sake of fruitfulness and uh and, and so, so so if I can, thank you Dave so much for coming and leading us this morning um, you're wonderful you're amazing. we thank you so much Neville, I want to honor Neville as well there's a uh, as listening to Neville Sharon on uh Last Sunday morning, listening to Neville on SoundCloud, when I finally got to listen to it, after a few days away, um, no offence Neville, the last thing I did want to do was listen to your sermon. But I came home from holidays on Thursday and I was straight into what was what was going on, what was going on on Sunday morning uh, here. And I just so, so appreciated that, like th- this series that we're going through, Neville heard from the Lord and in a moment he responded to what God was doing among us. And, uh, and I just want to thank him for that, I want to honour him. His obedience to hearing His voice, His obedience to the the opening this up, to to taking on this on this journey, and I want to thank Neville for that. I want to honour him in that, uh, and uh, and the reason why I want to do it is because I think listening yesterday, there's almost this gentle authority that 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 seems to be on Neville for this series, for going through this, and I think that is really important. It's really significant, and I want to I want to just say that I think it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to be a part of a team. It's an incredible thing to to be part of that, because there's times where like there's times where it's challenging for me. There's times where it's, where where it feels like your prayers just like hitting the ceiling. It's, whenever you're part of the team, there's there you there's times where other people pick up your slack, and, and that's what I love about the body. That's what I think Paul was. Paul understood that. I think Paul understood that as he presented that imagery around the body of Christ. He, he understood that we that we live that we live in deficit. We're to live this this need for one another, and so I I just love being part of a team. I love last Wednesday night. Wednesday week ago, we 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 gathered together to pray corporately. We gathered together to pray as as the body, and I love that night. I love nights like that. Whenever everybody feels like the, they can contribute, they're the nights that I come away refreshed. They're the nights that I come away energized because people have understood what it means to be part of the body. They've understood that they have something to contribute and I always appreciate there are always nights that I think that the Lord is in those moments when we're together because there is this appreciation of each other's contribution so as Neville said last week he said our heart is we want we simply want to hear what God has to say we want to hear what he has to say we want to keep on asking him the question what areas father are you looking to expose what areas in our lives are you looking to open up? What areas are you looking us to be challenged in, to be encouraged in, to be motivated in? And uh, I'm going to take I'm going to take you around a few different passages this morning. Forgive me for that if you're not a fan of that. My preference my preference is to be to, just to be in a, in a in a letter in a book and just stay there for a while. To be honest that is that is my preference but this morning I, f- f- I feel like we're of, there's a thread that I think runs through scripture that I want us to to pull out um, this morning and I think in, in in mark chapter 7 this is Jesus speaking and uh, and he says in verse 21 of Mark chapter 7, "From within out of man's hearts come evil." Evil thoughts. Sorry, comes sexual immorality. Comes theft, murder, and adultery. And I think I think that is. uh, I just want to suggest that I think we spend so much of our time as believers, so much of our time is in the church, at going after and exposing and tackling those things that are external. Those things that are really obvious. We can see. We have an idea of what on the outside, sexual immorality looks like, theft looks like, murder looks like, adultery looks like. And so often we miss miss the examination of what's going on internally. There's not enough examination of the things that are going on internal. And you know, if I can just let you know that as I prayed this morning, I really felt that after I spoke that we we would just open up a time, a short time, and, uh, and so I don't want you looking at the clock I'll be as quick as I can I really felt the Lord just wanted after I speak that we would just spend a few moments in communion spend a few moments around the table so I just think that we, we just want to examine I really feel like we want to just examine those things that are internal and that's what Jesus goes on to say that's what Jesus is trying to get across to the, to the disciples he's really trying to get let the religious people see we don't speak enough about jealousy we don't speak enough about envy, we don't speak enough about slander, we don't speak enough about gossip, we don't speak enough about greed. All these things that are going on internally that nobody can see but they are they are like, a, I don't know who said it, but they're like a cancer jealousy. They're like a cancer to the soul. And so there's areas, and I touched on areas of of our lives that we don't give enough attention to. And this is one area that I want to talk about this morning. This is not, a, this is not an easy word for me. This is, uh, this is one of these words that's really difficult. But I want, to, I want to bring it to a conclusion. I want us to have communion and then I want to try and finish us off on a bit of a high. There's areas in our life where we don't give enough attention to. And as I shared my area of expertise a couple of weeks ago, I showed you my back garden and the the thorns and the bristles and the everything is up and out about here keeps on sneaking up not enough attention is given to the soil and that's been the challenge for me as we've started this series it's been this 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 idea that there's not enough attention given to the heart there's not enough attention given to the soil and what happens is is in what Jesus says in mark chapter 4 verse 19, in this parable of the sower, he says there is there is uh, the, it's like the seed sown among thorns, verse 18, it's sown among thorns, the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, desires for other things, it comes in, it chokes the word and it makes it unfruitful. And There's something about reading that verse it just it grips me every time and, and the thought of us not giving attention, the thought of allowing the weeds to grow, the thorns to grow, that whenever the, the the seed comes, it just chokes the word, and it makes it unfruitful. It makes it unfruitful, and no one wants to touch it. Like thorns are thorns are prickly, they're ugly, they're like nobody wants to. Stick their hand like I've. It's got too far now that I'm almost reluctant to stick my hand in to to start ripping those things out. Those bad boys need ripped out. But I'm almost afraid now because I know if I the minute I stick my hand in there, I, I'm, thorns are going to all over me. I'm going to have cuts all over my arms. You're saying get a shovel. I don't have a shovel. If you want to lend me a shovel, that would be great. But it's almost it's, it's, nobody wants to touch those areas where it's thorny, where it's prickly, where it's where it's. Uh, where it's really challenging, and I think that's one of these areas. I think jealousy is one of those areas we're almost afraid to touch. It's really prickly, it's really thorny, and I almost I almost don't want to touch it because it's not going to be that easy. And so this morning, I want to take a bit of time and speak around this area of jealousy, speak around this area of comp- competitiveness, competition among the saints about comparing ourselves to one another, about a need for recognition. And uh, we haven't intended to do this. I, I know I was in First Samuel last a couple of weeks ago. I know Neville shared a wee bit about um, Saul and David last week. And it's that character, that I, it's that place that I want us to, to spend a few minutes in this morning. In First Samuel chapter 18. And as Neville rightly said, We've shared a bit about Saul and Neville said last week that jealousy, we see jealousy rises up in the heart of Saul. And the, 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 the people of God, the children of Israel have just had this incredible victory. David has slain Goliath and everybody is on their way home from the victory. And they're singing, they're dancing, they're celebrating, they're rejoicing because there has been a victory for the people of God. There is time for celebration. They've take, the, the people of God have taken back territory that belonged to them. The ground that the enemy tried to take, the, the God's people have come. They've won victory. The, the enemy, the giant, has been slain, and they're taking back land. They're taking back ground. They're taking back territory that belonged to them. And they danced and they sang. And this is what they sang that got Saul so upset. Saul has slain thousands, but David has slain tens of thousands. Saul was very angry, we are told, in chapter 18, verse 8. They have credited David with tens of thousands, but me with only thousands. And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. This is this is awful. Recognition. Recognition recognition was more important to Saul than the outcome. He was so upset that in all the celebration and all the rejoicing in the, in, the, in the high of victory he was, got so upset because they credited David with more than they credited him. And I love David. David. David's an incredible character in the Bible. Of course he's with flaws as are many of us. Maybe all of us, and uh, but I love David has already. He's even before the battle has been won. David has already acknowledged that the battle is the Lord's. Any credit that's going anywhere, it's going here. Any credit that's due, it's due to God. It's the Lord's. The battle is His. But in the life of Saul, the remaining part of his life in First Samuel, we see the the ugliness of jealousy. We see ugliness. It blinds. It it consumes our thoughts. It impairs judgment. It is the rest of Saul's life. It's, it's an ugly ending. He was blinded by it. He was so blinded. This ill love is blind. Jealousy is blind. He became blind by this. It consumed his thoughts. And for almost the rest of his life, he spent trying to take the life of David. Trying to take David out. We and we have uh, we spent a bit of time really quickly. We spent a bit of time in in Acts uh, over the summer. Spent nine weeks going through the book of Acts, and I think we I think we think we we touched on it a couple of times. But there's almost this progression of jealousy that we see in the book of Acts. And it seems to be the natural response to supernatural activity, the religious response to supernatural activity because many, the, the apostles were healing many people. Many people were coming to faith. Many were being added to the church. And in Acts chapter 5, we're told that this, that this jealousy uh, uh, rose in the hearts of the religious people. Jealousy became something that was very real. And initially, all they did, all they did was they tried to slow them down they tried to put them in jail. They tried to make them accountable to people they didn't need to be accountable to. They went on in that chapter five to say we must obey God rather than man, but they became so jealous that they started. to th- How can we slow these people down? How can we stop this momentum? How can we stop what is going on here? And and we see it. We pick up again. We pick up the language again in Acts chapter thirteen. And this time it it it, it gets worse because this time they're they're verbally abused. You see that the people, the religious people again, they're filled with jealousy and they began to they began to hurl insults at at the apostles and it keeps going. It gets to Acts chapter 17 and then it, we see again, jealousy raises its ugly head in the story that, that Neville touched on, the story of Jason. Whenever they went to Jason's house, it, it, they had not only now had to try to slow it down, not only had they tried... To verbally abuse. But now they gathered more people around them. And and that's one of the ugly things about jealousy and gossip. You, all of a sudden you start to gather people around you. It becomes contagious. It becomes like a contagion that is awful. And But it happens here. We see it in Acts 17. They gathered more people around them. And, and, and it began to spread. It began to become violent. There was a riot in the city. And actually in Matthew chapter 27 verse 18. Pilate says, this is where it ends. Pilate, Pilate knew it was out of jealousy that they brought Jesus to his death. That's where it will lead. That's where it led in the life of Saul as we follow the story of the early church and as we start follow the story of Jesus. Jealousy, it always ends brutally. It always, it never ends well. And there's something, there's something, I keep using this word and I can't, use any other word but there's something that is really ugly whenever we compete with one another there's something really disturbing whenever we are in constantly comparing ourselves with one another in the faith there's something really disturbing about that there's something really uncomfortable about that there's something that is not very pleasant whenever we position ourselves for recognition This the language around identity, around who we are, language that we have used a lot here over the last couple of years. I think it's been a thread, maybe we haven't specifically done a series on identity, but I think you'll find if you've been here long enough, it's been a thread that's went right through so much of what we've been saying here. The importance, the value of knowing who we are the value the importance of trusting that what he says about us is true and for me that this is this is this this topic is unfortunately it's really real for me see the more i the more i understand who i am the more i trust him that what he says about me is true the less these things consume my thoughts the less competition the less comparing myself with other people consumes my thoughts. The less having a need for approval, the less having a need for recognition, it less and less consumes my thoughts the more I understand who I am. The more I take hold, the more I trust that what he says about me, that what Father says about me is true. The more I recognize and understand my role as son, the more more you understand your role as sons and daughters, the less these thoughts consume. The less that they take over, and I say that because for me over the last over the last wee while i I've become really reluctant to as I think about what we want to speak and what I want to share I've become really reluctant to take you to a place where i haven't been so I find that really I find that really challenging to do that because because if we do that then we're just we, we, then we're just coming so I can present some information. And you can know more stuff, or you can have more knowledge. I'm not saying that I always manage to do that. But I've just been really desirous that I would, as I stand to speak on a Sunday, that I would take you somewhere that I have been. And you know, the the, place where, the places where I have been, the places where sometimes I allow my thoughts to go to, I can say with real confidence that jealousy is a symptom of insecurity. Jealousy, envy, this, this longing for competition, for comparing with one another, this need for recognition. It's all symptoms of insecurity. It's this struggle to accept who we are, this struggle to, to know how we have been gifted. It either leads to a hardened heart or it is already a sign of a hardened heart. There's this real battle to believe who you are who he says what he says about you is true you are struggling with a heart that is hardening and and do you know why this is this is really this is really easy for me in some ways to talk about really hard in other ways because i i always know the condition of my heart based on some of this stuff i'm always certain of the condition of my heart whenever these feelings arise within me of jealousy of competition of comparing myself with what the church down the road is doing or with the the favor that is on somebody else or the success that is going on in somebody else i'm always know the condition of my heart based on when those feelings start to rise jealousy competing envy it's what chokes the seed it chokes the seed it absolutely destroys it it chokes it it suffocates it and it will never it will never be the right condition for fruitfulness and we're after fruitfulness keep here in our hearts everything that we're saying here even in this is never to condemn it's never to make you carry guilt because if that's the case it's not from god there is no condemnation in jesus and certainly if there's no condemnation in him, there's no condemnation for me. We're not standing here to condemn. We're not standing here to make you feel guilty about these issues that we all battle with, that we all face our long and the deep desire of our heart is that we would get to a place of fruitfulness, that we would expose the areas of hardness, that we would pull out the roots that are choking the seed because we want to be as fruitful as possible. We want to be as fruitful as he is as intended us to be really quickly i want to go through a few things that that paul talks about in his letters paul i've just finished reading first and second corinthians and my goodness paul had his work cut out with these guys like there is there is so much crazy going on in the church in corinth that it is amazing that paul opens the first two chapters of this letter with such beautiful words. The first two chapters of 1 Corinthians, if you haven't read them recently, go and read them. They're incredible. Such beautiful words. And uh, and so he knows, Like he, whenever he's writing this letter, he knows all that's going on. He knows the sexual immorality. He knows how they're treating the Lord's table. He knows how they're treating one another. And yet he still starts with this, this gentleness. He still starts with this. I want to thank God for you guys. I'm so grateful that I'm part of your lives. And every time I come to you, I just want to keep on preaching Jesus. I want to know nothing except him and him crucified. You know the thing, there's no one, there's eye no has seen, there's no ear has heard, there's no, nobody has imagined the things that God has in store for those that love him. He finishes off chapter 2 by saying, but we have the mind of Christ. He says that to these guys. In spite of all that they're doing, in spite of all the stuff that's taking place in this church, he's, bringing such beautiful gospel truth. But he starts to address, he starts to address what's going on. He starts to address the root of the problem in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And he goes for, Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual but as worldly. Mere infants in Christ. We have a real shift here from this beautiful truth to him start to to really need to address some of the things that are going on. His heart is not to condemn. Paul's heart is not to make these guys feel guilty, his heart is that they would get rid of those things that have hardened their heart because he wants them to be fruitful. He's telling them that you're still worldly. You're not ready for solid food. You're just, I'm just going to have to keep on giving you this milk. Because while you're still acting in this way, we can't move on. Like we're just going to be stuck here. We're just going to have to stay in this same place because you're still acting in such a worldly way. And the question is, how, what, how is that being manifested? What does that look like? How is that worldliness being made visible? And he goes on to say in verse 3, because there is jealousy and quarreling among you. This is really important to Paul even before he gets to all this other stuff that we would find really crude, that we would find really difficult to address if it came up today. I barely even want to touch it. I barely even want to say that it's here in this letter, but it is. But before Paul even gets to all of that stuff, he's saying there is a problem. There is a route to all of this. Before we can go anywhere, there is jealousy and there is quarreling among yourselves. There is this jealousy. There is this competition. There is this comparing yourselves with one another. There is this need for recognition and it is it is destroying you. It is destroying what God wants to do. It is destroying how he wants to build you. And you're just going to have to stay where you are on the milk. You're going to have to stay where you are like an infant, like a mere infant in Christ. The message version Eugene Peterson translates it as saying, "You're only content when everything is going your own way." And this is why this word is really challenging. It's really difficult because we, we, the same that was true for these guys, I believe, is the same for us. That we will not move any further until we address this. We will not move any further until this issue in our hearts is exposed. Not move any further until we deal with it. It's just far too destructive to move on without dealing with this, with this thorny issue. Without dealing with this ground that swallows and chokes the good seed. He goes on in Galatians to talk in chapter five about how, continuing to say that guys, we're to live differently. We're to live differently. We're to be set apart. We are to look differently from the rest of the world. We are, to be, we are to be living by the Spirit. We are to be led by the Spirit. We are to be characterized by the fruit of the Spirit. And then he goes on to talk about the acts of sinful nature. And he mentions the ones that we, that we all know well, that we've all probably heard sermon after sermon on, uh, on around sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, but Paul goes on here to say that these acts of sinful nature are jealousy, selfish ambition, envy, competing with one another. And so as we get to the end of this little part in Galatians chapter 5, he says, since we live by the Spirit, keeping step with the Spirit, let us not provoke an envy and be jealous of one another. How do we know that we're walking in the Spirit? How do we know today that we are keeping in step with the Spirit? I want to I ask you, how do you respond to the success of other people? Of other people, of other churches? Of other people in the faith? How do you respond when, we, when, you, see, when you see different churches? Many coming to faith, many being set free, many being healed. How do you respond to the victory for the body of Christ? How do you respond to their success? How do you respond to their favor? How do you respond to other people getting the credit? See, a win for a win for Arma Elam. Arma Elam prayed a couple of weeks ago for little Tam, his daughter, Hannah. It was amazing to get the report from Stephanie on Facebook to say that they couldn't find anything wrong with her. Do you know what? We celebrate that because that's a win for the team. We celebrate that. It's a win for the team and that's how we, we want to look. That's how we want to look at the other churches. That's how we want to look at other parts of the body of Christ. Whenever we start to look at them with suspicion, when we start to look at and, 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 and be jealous of their favor or question their credibility, we are on a slippery slope we're on dangerous ground when we start to behave like that way see this is just too important this is too important because as we go on to Ephesians chapter 4 Paul again is telling us he is warning do not grieve the spirit of god do not grieve him he has sealed you for redemption he has sealed you for the day for that day of redemption and you know that this word grieve i like i'm i'm not going to i the english language is great it's fine but see the word grieve here we are just missing the depth of that word the, tr- the 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 literal translation of that word grieve we miss it in our english language like this is deep deep emotional pain like this is an incredible depth of emotional pain this is too important it breaks father's heart he says, "Don't grieve the spirit of God," and then goes on to say that this is how you don't make sure that you get rid of all bitterness, get rid of all jealousy, get rid of all anger, get rid of all slander. This is too important, father's father's heart is on the line. this is, this is too important an issue. This is too important a condition of the heart for us to not deal with it, for not for us not to allow it to be exposed. And I love that, that 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 kids don't have to compete. Like kids should never have to compete for father's attention. I came back home on Thursday and uh and picked up the picked up and Jada from uh, Margaret's house and uh I picked them up and brought them home, and I and I got them into the car. I was like, kids, oh my goodness, I just, I'm so glad I'm home. I love you guys. You're, I missed you so much. All that lovely mushy stuff, and and then and so then Jada started. Jada said, Daddy, I missed you so much. And then all of a sudden, it became a bit of a competition. Eli, I missed you so 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 much. Like Caleb's no dozer. Caleb said, I missed you the most, and he was the winner, but then it started again like Eli, I missed you most plus one, I missed you most plus, and it kept going on and on and, uh, <clears throat> and part of me loved it, it was good fun, it was light hearted it was good natured, because we just, we got home uh, we got home and just before we, we put the kids to bed, we lay up on the sofa and they just cuddled in around us they were so confident in, they were so confident in my feelings toward them, that there was no there was no competition to see who loved me the most, or who had done the most or who had behaved the best. There's no competition for for the for the father's love. And sometimes I've I've found myself in a place where um where as and I, even as the kids were doing that on the way home, I found myself almost as if the Holy Spirit was like, You the amount of times that you have behaved like that. The amount of times that, that You've been in an environment where somebody has got up and shared their success and you're like a little child vying for my attention. Needing to be reminded again that his feelings for me don't change. His heart for me doesn't change. I don't have to try and justify myself to other people. I don't have to try and compare myself to, to, to somebody else's success. And often I find myself almost... In my mind's eye, thinking about situations that I've been in, even all too recently. Just like Father, listen to me. What would what, what, what you hear? What I have to say? Did you hear what I did? Would you hear what I had to do? Did you hear what I said? We hear the thing, the wonderful thing that I read in Scripture. They, they read, they read and got this thing, but I think I got a better thing. I, I want, I want credited with with Revelation and all of that ugly, horrible stuff that's almost too embarrassing to admit. This was real. This is real, and I've seen the ugliness of it in me. And part of me, is, part of me is grateful for that journey because now I know where I'm at. There's nowhere better. I know where I'm at because for me, and, and like, like lust is, lust is not a, a, a big issue for me. Murder is thankfully is not a big issue for me. Theft never been a big issue. And so, it's not really the best test to know where I'm at, where my heart's at. But, but this is. I'm really aware of the condition in my heart whenever these things begin to rise. When these thorny, prickly, ugly roots of things begin to creep up in my heart. And I need to rip them out, need to get rid of them. Need them to be exposed, need to be reminded who I am. And I almost don't want to fe- I almost don't want to go here because I think James is the hardest of all. He's the hardest of all when it comes to this stuff. Like there's almost there almost seems a there almost seems a gentleness to to Paul to what Paul's saying. And uh, and we get to, to what James said. And I think it was really real for James because I think he struggled with this. Like he watched he watched Jesus growing up. He watched his brother growing up getting all the attention. Like my brother's getting all the attention. What about me? I like think jealousy was really real for him. And so he doesn't He's going even further. I think Paul's saying, if you don't sort this out, we can't move on from here. We can't go on from here. Paul's saying, if you want to to test whether you're walking in the Spirit, these things are not even going to be, these things are not even going to flag themselves for you. But James takes it even further. James is saying it's of the devil. Like, I almost don't want to go here. This is awful. Don't even look at you. But like, James is saying it's demonic. It's from the pits of hell. Needs ripped out. It's going to destroy the condition of your heart. It's going to block any potential, any chance of fruitfulness. It's going to choke any good seed. In the verse, this is what he's saying in verses 13 to 16. You go home and read it. But he says in verse 16, where you, where you have jealousy and where you have selfish ambition, self-interest, that is where you'll find disorder and every evil practice. Like this is really important, guys. You'll find disorder. This is a place where, where, where there is jealousy, where there is selfish ambition and self-interest. This is where you'll find disorder. And even this word disorder, like it doesn't sound too bad. It sounds like we could manage something here, but actually, this word is 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 awful. It means it's unstable. It is unsettled. It means it is out of control. And that's what happens. It it these the thoughts that we have, the feelings that we have towards brothers in Christ. These feelings that go out of control. It happened in the book of Acts. They ended up. Going out of control. They wanted to quieten them down. They wanted to slow them down. It ended up verbally threatening, physical abuse. And so I'm not wanting to end this on a downer. I'm wanting to, I'm wanting us to, uh, I'm wanting Dave to come up and and just play while we while we give this, give out the bread and the wine. seven